This episode is brought to you by Reese's Peanut Butter Cups. In breaking news, leading scientists worldwide are conducting experiments to determine if Reese's Peanut Butter Cups are the perfect combination of peanut butter and chocolate. However, it appears the study was inconclusive, as the scientists couldn't help but eat all the Reese's. Because when you want something sweet, you can't do better than Reese's. Find Reese's now at a store near you. Welcome to America, the land of junk sleep, where it's bedtime, but you're double booked. Here, there's always one more deadline to meet, episode to watch, or meme to share. The world may not want you to sleep, but we do. Only the sleep experts at Mattress Firm can help you find the right bed at the right price. Unjunk your sleep. In-store or online at mattressfirm.com today. And what's up, what's up? Wes Mitchell here, Chris Clark. Friday morning recording of this non-live edition of GC Live. That is the one problem with our name of GC Live, that if we wanted to do more pre-recorded shows, can we still call it GC Live? I don't, I don't know. Uh, but this this is essentially GC Live. We're recording um, Friday morning. This will be popped out to you probably early Friday afternoon. Either way, didn't want to not have a show today, but um, we're not able to do our normal afternoon thing. So we're going to record it and uh, we'll we'll post it out there. Going to be a very random Friday show as we sort of close out the week. And um, obviously Gamecocks have the weekend off and then we'll turn our attention to Texas A&M on Monday. May talk a little bit about them today, depending on how long things go. And we may have an interview with KJ Brent tacked in here as well, former Gamecock wide receiver. If not, I think we'll probably be able to talk to him next week. We're just working out times on um, when we're going to chat. How how many drinks do you have right now, Chris? I have like, two I, different drinks, yeah. I, I mean, I'm sitting here, we're chatting before the show, and I'm watching a mug come across, Yeah. then a big old, I don't know what that other one was, come across, and then I'm waiting on a third drink to come across. Uh, or, well, it's only nine, so water and yeah. Then, we do have coffee on this edition of GC Live. And Water and coffee. Maybe our our coffee should be sponsored, actually. And we actually have a subscriber who has an awesome coffee company. The name is escaping me. I'm going to talk to him. We're going to get some of his coffee on the show. It is really good. He sent me some. It's bomb. I was about to say, well, if he was a sponsor, you definitely would not forget the name of his uh, company. I feel but, bad. I, I don't mind saying it. I really would to give him a shout out, and I just can't remember it. Uh, all right. Well, we have no trouble remembering Affordable Medical and AffordableMedicalUSA.com. 803-926-1493. They are home of the game day chair. We'll tell you a little bit more about the game day chair later on in the show. And um, if you are interested in getting mentioned on the show, we do still have a couple of sponsorship opportunities available. Um, I think one of them is about to be taken uh, next week, so we'll uh, we'll tell you more about that. Uh, we'll tease it. We'll tell you more about that next week. But first of all, man, we always try to sort of, I would say, uh, operate the shows around what's going on in game cognition. It seems like right now the big topic of discussion has to be Tyrion Ingram Dawkins, the now four-star defensive tackle. Um, 
Rivals was a little slow in, in tacking that, that four-star on, but they have done that now, making him the top prospect in the state of South Carolina in the Rivals rankings. So, And really, the I think still the lone four-star in the state, which for, for that class anyway, for 2021, which is crazy. Never yeah. happens. You always have at least a few of those guys, it seems like. But uh, the announcement this evening um, looks like 5.30. It's been it's been strange, man. I, I think there is maybe I always think it's interesting with recruiting how there's sort of this a lot of times going into announcement there's this like greater assumption where sort of things I don't even want to say leak out but things sort of spread around the internet and most people sort of assume okay that that's the big rumor there that that's where the guy's going sometimes that's true sometimes it's not. Obviously, with Big T, it's sort of been – Georgia has been like the the assumption just if you looked on a random recruiting message board right now. Mm-hmm. Um, we've been working on this one. As suspected, there's conflicting things floating around out there. That's really been the case throughout the entire recruitment, and I didn't expect any different down the stretch, Chris. So um, – not, not a surprise there, but – and, again, we're recording this um, 9, 9.13 a.m. Friday right now. So there's a chance we may post something new later on in the day if, if something changes. But at 9.13 a.m. Friday, October 30th, what um, what are your thoughts on this one, man? Yes, yeah, so we were working it last night, you know, Thursday night. We are heck, West, I think we are on the phone about – 9 30 10 o'clock talking about this one and even today you know i'm still getting some texts coming in right now as we're recording this trying to trying to figure it out and uh i don't know that we will figure it out for sure you know um this is one of those situations that comes up every now and then where there's a lot of conflicting information this time it's more around two schools you know you remember like the jordan birch recruitment there was conflicting information on a bunch of schools, you know, and then at the end it was more LSU and South Carolina and it went back and forth. And so there, there's typically some legitimate reasons for that. Usually a guy, you know, is maybe having trouble making a decision. Maybe he's having trouble telling somebody, no, the general thought is this one is Georgia or South Carolina. Um, and look, there are reasons there. That's the thing. There are legit reasons in reporting this to feel that it could be either one. Um, and that's based on feedback that, that we've gathered behind the scenes. We know what's been said, a lot of times who it's been said to. And so that's why neither of them would be a surprise. And that makes it difficult to tell. Makes it difficult to tell even for the people who are recruiting the kid. Um, but here's the thing, and, and this is a little bit why this segment on, on Tyreon, some of it at least, is going to be evergreen. No matter where he commits, announces for, there's an expectation from everybody we've spoken with on all sides that, you know, it's going to continue, you know, Tennessee's not going to give up. Georgia's not going to give up. South Carolina's not going to give up whatever school he commits to, you know, they're going to have to continue recruiting him too. And, and that's everyone's expectation. Um, but, you know, as, as far as South Carolina, from where we sit right here, nine fifteen AM on a Friday, recording this, uh, the day of the announcement, you know, there are, there have been some positive signs for South Carolina over and over, even recently, um, last night, you know, um, there were some good signs. There were some positive signs in terms of um, 
the people who've been told who maybe aren't necessarily in the South Carolina spectrum, but at the same time, there's some legitimate reasons where you wouldn't be surprised if it was Georgia. So we'll have to see how it plays out. And then the whole thing, you know, is going to, I think it's going to continue. It's going to be one of those where it's, it's probably the door is not going to be completely shut. Yep. Um, and I, at this point, man, I, I, I need to pull it up. I, I put in a future cast prediction for him. And, and I mean, we all know how these future casts and crystal balls and, and all this stuff goes. It's like, you know, one person puts one in and then a bunch of people follow it. And um, I put in one for South Carolina months and months and months ago. Right now, again, as you would expect, if you look at the rivals one again, nine sixteen, mm-hmm. it's pointing seventy five percent to Georgia, which again sort of goes with that greater trend of um, that's sort of like the message board assumption right now. Yeah, uh, that doesn't necessarily dive into what's maybe necessarily the back and forth down the stretch that takes place in really a lot of these recruitments. There's jockeying for position. Sorry to interrupt, man. I I was going to say, like, so the whole whatever name everybody, any network has for any type of, like, forecast, I almost feel like we should explain that a little bit more because we see that so much. There is always this assumption of so-and-so on such-and-such network, whether it's rivals or elsewhere, he's got – 17 predictions for this school. So he must be going there. Now, sometimes that is the case. Sometimes not. But you you have to understand that with some of these, it's a little bit of, and I'm not saying anything bad about anybody by any means, but it's a little bit of like follow the leader, right? You know, like Mm -hmm. you and I, you know, sometimes I haven't future casted anybody in quite a while, but we don't follow like people who commit to Oregon or whatever, you know, <laughs> like it doesn't yeah. matter for the most part. And so I think what we see a lot of times is somebody who does have legitimate information or a reason to feel a certain way about a kid, which again, anybody predicting Georgia has at least a legitimate reason right now. We, we know that for sure. Um, you know, somebody predicts it and then some other people see it or they talk to that person and it's sort of like a piggyback situation, right? So those things aren't all, I mean, Jordan, what does Jordan Birch's future cast or whatever say right now? I think there's still more LSU in Georgia. You know, probably, yeah, probably. He's on the roster. You know, So like it doesn't always matter. And, and a lot of times when you get up these big numbers, sometimes it's a little bit of follow the leader, even if the information ends up being correct, if, if that makes sense. Just a little primer on that, that I felt like getting off my chest, I guess. Yeah. And, I the the reason I bring it up is that regardless of as we sit here and you know readily admit it could easily be Georgia could still be South Carolina. I put in my South Carolina prediction December twelfth, twenty nineteen. Um yeah. So point being, if I had it in there for that long, I'm just gonna roll with it. If I take the L, so be it. It is what it is. That would be, I well, that would technically be my second L for the 2021 class. Um, my only mark right now 
is an old Lavoisier Carroll prediction where I had predicted South Carolina before he committed to South Carolina. And obviously he decommitted and I never even went back and messed with it. And then he committed to Georgia. So it, it counts as a, as a miss, um, obviously, because I didn't go back and like delete it or change it. It was originally a hit, you know, when he committed, but now it's a miss. But other than that, if he picks Georgia, that'll be my first miss. Not that I really even care about all that stuff, but um, I'm just going to roll with it is my point. There you go. And, and we'll see what happens. But um, so everybody saw, I, I had the highlights going there for a second. I think at least worth mentioning quickly what either one of these schools is going to get, you know, if they, if they get Tyrion Ingram Dawkins. And I, I think, man, it's just, you look around, obviously everybody is in, I would say the, everybody is in the, no, nobody's looking around saying, man, we don't need six foot five, 290 pound dudes who are fleet of foot. And yeah. the very first rep on here, very first snap is of um, Big T playing tight end and going for, you know, going for a, a, a touchdown. And he, he's a basketball kid as well. There's, there's really some, I would say some TJ Sanders, uh, some things here that reminds me a little bit of him, just in that they're both basketball kids, um, light footed defensive linemen who have played a lot of edge uh, roles in high school, but probably end up in the interior in the next level. And, uh, you know, rival still has him actually as a strong side defensive end, as far as those rankings go. I tend to think this is a defensive tackle and let now, unless, you know, if, he, if he's in a three man front, maybe you can play him on the edge a little bit, but um, this is a kid that really started to come on as far as a recruit about a year ago. And I would say has really started to take his game to the next level as a senior, based on some things I've heard has really filled into his body has, um, he appears that he has added weight but trimmed down, if that makes sense, in that he's added good weight and sort of reshaped his body a little bit. And you're especially in the state of South Carolina, man, this state has such a history of putting out defensive line prospects. Um, to me, this is just sort of your – I don't want to say typical because it sort of downgrades it, but just a big athletic kid that you just get in your program and, and develop. Yeah, you're right. Big athletic kid. He's he's grown a lot. You know, you can you can look at some of the uh, early pictures on his rivals profile, and he looks like he's, I don't know, two thirty at the most. And now mm-hmm. he's a guy who looks like a legitimate, you know, power five defensive tackle prospect. So, you know, you you look at what he brings to the table, or brings to the field rather. Uh, they don't play football on the table. Um, he, uh, you know, he's a guy that, as you said, has grown into his body. He's an attacking type of tackle. Will he will he have to learn, some, refine his techniques, use his hands better? Sure. But you look at just his initial get off, um, his ability to, you know, move into the backfield, knife into the backfield, pursue the ball carrier. He's got some, the word you use, Wes, he's, you know, he's fleet of foot is definitely a good way to describe it. So he's a guy that has disruptive potential, you know, on the interior and is really just, just now beginning to really blossom 
you know, into his frame and sort of refine his skill set a little bit more, grow into his body. So there's a, there's a good bit to like here about uh, Tyrion Ingram Dawkins. Yep, so we'll all find out 5.30 on Friday, but as Chris said, it'll be one we will continue to track even after that. So we'll see. We'll, of course, have coverage on GamecockCentral.com, regardless of what the answer is from Big T um, this evening, 5.30 Eastern. All right, turning the page a little bit. Like I said, this is going to be a random show Friday. Um, We we mostly stick to football and recruiting, but since it is a bye week, Dude, so got a random question for you here. All right. So this all ties in after I went to the fair last week. Um, Mackenzie and I went over to the Horseshoe and we're checking out campus and went in the Russell House. And I know a lot of our watchers and listeners here are, um, you know, alums at USC. Man, so the Russell House – is completely different now. Really? Like, completely redesigned. Oh. And those of you who are in sort of, you know, me and Chris's age range, or probably a little bit before, and I think slightly after, knew about the magic of Pandini's. Why? why? I mean, you're absolutely torturing. Torturing. And for one... I had known for a while Pandini's did not exist anymore. So sorry. Um, I don't remember what the name of the place. I think no, you know, I do. I think I think there's a Panera there now. So you you the entire but the entire downstairs now is completely redesigned. And it looks amazing. But so and McKenzie went there as well, but it was well after I did. And I was like, wait, so there's no GIMP anymore? And she's like, well, what's the GIMP? And I'm like, the Grand Marketplace. And she's like, well, no, that's not a thing. And I'm like, well, it used to be a thing. <laughs> so then I'm like, wait, so there's no cafeteria. It's everything. Yeah, everything at, at the Russell House now. Is and it, part of this conversation has been spurred by um, Izzy Rushton, who is the USC, I guess, student body president. I was following uh, along with that a little bit yesterday. Yeah, and the, the tweet: if if she doesn't remember the combination of Pizza Hut and Taco Bell up top, then oh. she's too young for you. So I I certainly remember that. I know that was there. When we were there, Chick Fil A, Chick Fil A is still there, but expanded. Um, right. But man, right. I ate, I ate Chick Fil A all the time. Yeah. Um, Chick Fil A, Pandini's, and then the cafeteria. There are was the, a Burger King upstairs. Yes, there was a Burger King as well. Yes. And I don't think I went there as much. There was, there was uh, a couple other things up there. Einstein Brothers Bagels. Yep. And then there was something on the on the like the left of Burger King because Pizza Hut Taco Bell was on the far right. I ate that way too much. It was really bad. And then I feel like it was maybe like a um like is there a like an Asian place. food? It was like Asian you? or Greek, and then it changed out some. I didn't yeah, really yeah. go there a lot. Whatever it was, I ate the bad stuff most of the time. And and then there was a um, 
ice cream. Was it marble slab? Marble slab was down. Maybe that was upstairs. Yeah, it was, it was up, up to the right back. Yeah, yeah. Now yeah. that's like a health, like a health food uh, area. But yeah, but dude, so <laughs> here the the point of this conversation, other than to fill time, is that there is no chicken finger Wednesday anymore because there's no cafeteria and pretty much everything is like okay this is a separate little mini restaurant this is a separate little mini restaurant there's no just old school lunchroom style you get different food every day there's no remember there was that um flat top grill in the back where you could get like a burger or a patty melt melt. oh yes i dude i still remember you know how you remember just random stuff? I still remember when I was getting a patty melt because you'd get um, – you'd put that seasoning on the fries. Um, yeah. God, no wonder no wonder we all got <laughs> fat in college. <laughs> I know. I still remember the late, great Kenny McKinley. Um, I was in the patty melt line, and he was getting his patty melt too. And I mean, you know how it was, man. The athletes, especially the the like high profile football players, everybody knew who they were. So the guy, there was this one guy that was always um, throwing patty melts over there, and he was super cool. And I still remember him seeing that Kenny was there, and him, you know, flipping burgers over there. Turn around, you know, Kenny. He's like, I I told you you were gonna get your first one this week. I told you, man. And it was South Carolina had beaten Arkansas at Arkansas, and Kenny McKinley had caught that post route um, for a long touchdown. And that was actually the first um, – he had Kenny had caught a ton of balls at that time, but I don't think he had an actual touchdown. Um, and this, But this guy was so excited for Kenny because he had gotten his first touchdown. Um, I think it was the first career touchdown. Might have just been the first touchdown of that year. Not sure. I don't remember. But I just for some reason that stands out to me because Kenny. It was like Kenny was so beloved just by everybody that oh yeah had even bumped into him. You know on, on campus. So this guy was so excited. He's like Kenny, I told you you're getting your first touchdown. Um, but dude, so so the students these days they don't experience Chicken Finger Wednesday. They don't have those patty melt and fries. Mm-hmm. And to, so do you remember if you went to the Russell house on Friday? And this was one of those things. Chicken finger Wednesday was like a thing. Like everybody knew they would have chicken fingers on Wednesdays. Yeah. But on Fridays, I don't know if it was, it was never like said, oh, we always have this on Friday. But I remember every single time. This was probably my sophomore year. I had an early Friday morning class, which we all know can be a struggle. Very bad. And but they would always have fried chicken and macaroni and cheese on the on the food line on Fridays. Mm-hmm. And I never heard it mentioned as like fried chicken Friday or anything like that. But it seemed like every single Friday I'd be in there, a little slow moving. And I'd gra- I'd grab that and I'd go back to my to my dorm, eat fried chicken, macaroni and cheese, and I'd take a nap. But dude, that was some of the best fried chicken and macaroni and cheese 
I've ever had. So do you do you remember that as well? Like was that just yeah. me or I don't have I don't have as good a memory of it as Chicken Finger Wednesday, obviously. Although and this is maybe a little bit of Russell House sacrilege. I didn't do Chicken Finger Wednesday as much as like the normal USC student. I don't think I did either. It was yeah. more it was like a cool concept more than yeah. anything. It I did it I, sometimes because yeah. my issue was so to answer your question, I, I I remember that chicken being there. I'm not sure. I feel like I had it, you know, a couple times. Whatever. I didn't do the line a ton, including Chicken Finger Wednesday, because I felt like anything else would be getting in the way of me eating pandinis for like two meals a day. So yeah, but I saw Izzy put out on that tweet. She's talking about something called Topios. I'm not familiar with that. Um, no, we we. We must be too old for that. We are too old. And, dude, I feel like, to go back to your original point about the Russell House, like if I walked in, I would age myself because I'd like an old man. I would start complaining about how things aren't how they used to be and be all mad about it. But Pandini's closing, whenever that happened several years ago, was it was very emotional for me. Uh, it, uh, it really it hit me. Um, the things that in the Russell House, I would do the patty melt a lot, like you said. Pandini's Buffalo Chicken Pizza. It will never be matched. I will hear no arguments on it. Um, it was incredible. The ranch, every pizza they had there. The Libretti, you remember that thing? Yeah, yeah, yeah. The Libretti was incredible. They used to have one every now and then. They'd have a steak one. So good. So we ate there all the time. The thing that was one of the funniest but also best things to me was the salad line. On the left, I did eat salads. Thank the Lord, or I would have gained like 80 pounds instead of 50. Or they, dude, they had good Caesar salads. Very good. Any salad. I mean, they had every kind of thing you wanted. But it was it was good, but it was also hilarious because it literally was like a George Costanza soup Nazi experience most of the time. You, we would always have to psych ourselves up for it, and we talked about how bad it was going to be because when you got in the line, you're looking for it. I mean, salad's incredible. So you you t- you know what type the the ladies there, they did not have the best attitude all the time. So they'd ask you what kind of salad. Normally I get romaine, and then you got to the part that was really the. It, it was it got intense because, then it was what kind of dressing. And it was asked very accusatory, you know. And you'd say whatever ranch Caesar whatever you wanted. How many scoops? So sometimes I liked a lot of dressing. So I would say three. Three! (laughs) And I mean, they really, they act like you had stolen from their toddler or something, you know? And so it was very, so you're like, by the end of it, you're like fully demoralized, you know? But then you get your really good salad. Dude, so. I remember that. Yeah, like, I, never have a bad. Like, yeah, you know, I I feel like it's one of those things where you know how you for, completely forgotten something, but then somebody reminds you, yeah, and then you just like, Phew, like you remember things. I remember. So here, here was my creation, and I haven't thought about this in years. <laughs> Go to the salad line, Caesar salad. So you know, remain loaded with dressing some parmesan cheese some croutons and then talk about a full-on 
Zaxby's. This is like a Zaxby's salad because Zaxby's sells salads that should not even be allowed to be called salads because they put. (laughs) I mean they they put egg rolls on their salads. Like if you have an (laughs) egg roll on your salad, yeah, you you can't even be. I guess that's why they call it a salad instead of a salad because that's not a that's not a salad. Um, (laughs) so yeah, Caesar salad. Then go upstairs, get a little box of the chicken nuggets from Chick Fil A, and then throw the fried chicken. Not the you can get grilled chicken, I think, downstairs on there. Throw the fried chicken on there and eat a Russell House Caesar salad with Chick Fil A nuggets on it. Yeah, boom. That's excellent. oh man, you must have been calling home a lot with a with a meal like that. You must have been like, uh, Mom, I need some more bonus bucks. Well, I, I had the bonus bucks, man. <laughs> I had the bonus bucks, which were <laughs> such BS because you couldn't – if you used a meal plan, you couldn't, like, use another meal plan to, like, offset. Right. You had to right. do meal plan plus bonus bucks. Oh, yeah. And I think if you went to Pan- uh, Pandini's, you were definitely using bonus bucks. You were. Um, for what I remember on the price. That's what somebody else tweeted, like, man, um, they're just talking about how expensive Pandini's was. I guess I didn't even think about it as, as a kid or as a student. It seems like it was that long ago that I was a kid. But anyway, um, all right, dude. So no real segue here. So just tell everybody about the game day chair. <laughs> yeah. So unfortunately, we won't have any Pandinis apparently ever again. In the game oh, I, I got it. I got it. After eating your um, your food from Russell House, when you're falling into your food coma, yes, and you need the perfect place to lay back. That is perfect. Game day chair yeah. is there for you. And you know what? Any students out there listening, uh, <laughs> game day chair in your dorm, I'm not sure if it would fit. Uh, yeah, I don't know if that's our sales tactic. but Well, I mean, I still think it, it could it could work. Any parents, Christmas is coming up. Get your student. <laughs> get your student a game day chair for their apartment. Okay, but seriously, the game day chair, it's awesome. Super comfortable. If your back hurts, if you're tired, or if you just want a super comfortable chair, give those guys a call, 803-926-1493. Visit their website. Links on GamecockCentral.com. Links on our YouTube description to go check it out. It's called the Maxi Comfort Cloud with Twilight Technology, TV watching position, lounge position, lay completely flat, all with the push of a button. And they are our primary sponsor for the show, so we appreciate their support. Make sure you go support them and check out the game day chair as well. At what point in this show are people going to be hitting the little arrow thing and tabbing forward? Um, because you know how 107.5 gets – if they talk about anything but sports, you have yeah. the portion of it. This is a sports show. You're not allowed to talk about life. You're not allowed to talk about food. You're not allowed to talk about music. Yeah, People probably just are tabbing forward right now. These idiots are talking about Pandini's. Talk about Tyrion Ingram Dawkins. Um, yeah. Right. <laughs> right. I don't know, man. I think any anybody who's ever experienced Pandinis will be watching this like, yes, yes. They're going to get sad, though. Yeah, I'm really sad. I'm, I'm depressed now. I, really I, can, don't I can feel the mood in the in the room drop over <laughs> over the Internet as yep. soon as I mention RIP Pandinis. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. I would pop up if, if we put more effort into graphics in the show, I would pop up a. R.I.P. Pandini's graphic right now. Um, all right, dude. So, final half of the we, we've talked a ton about the first half of the year this week. Um, go back; it's on YouTube. It's on all the podcast platforms. 
By the way, subscribe to us on YouTube. Uh, rate, review, subscribe on the podcast platform that you listen to the show on. But we've talked about the first five. Let's move forward to the final five. A prediction from each of us. It can be as big picture or as tiny, uh, microscopic, uh, you know, zoomed-in view as you want. And obviously, we've talked a ton about what needs to happen for this team. So I, I'm going to say, and I'm I'm going to go out a little bit on a limb. I think I think most people already expect that Jalen Brooks can be someone who can at least help the receiving core a, a bit. I'm going to say on top of that to make it a little more interesting. I think one of the freshman receivers with now a, a half of the year under, you know, under their belt, a, a bye week where the freshmen really get a, a few more reps, I think one of them will come on and provide not an Alshon Jeffrey 2010-esque, um, you know, 20, no, 2009-esque yeah. push or anything crazy like that, but at least provide another aspect to the passing game. And I would have preseason told you Rico Powers, but I continue to hear buzz about Jakari Caldwell. So I'm going to say that the receiving core gets some help that Jalen Brooks comes on a little bit and Jakari Caldwell gets more reps and maybe has a chance to to catch a pass or two downfield and help out on that side of the ball. So I can't really say that all with complete conviction, but I think there's a, a decent chance it happens. And to add a question or something I'm curious about as well, I'm curious to see if somebody like an Eric Shaw, who we heard a lot about um, once he returned from injury this sort of preseason as the season was starting, um, I'm wondering if he can maybe put himself in a position to get some more snaps. He's taken one offensive snap this year. Now, he's been out there on special teams some. One snap, that was against Florida. Can they get him involved? Because I think he can be a weapon for you once he gets comfortable. So we'll see when the light comes on for all those guys. But I continue to hear that Jakari is making some plays in practice. It's just about word of the year, consistency, and learning this offense to where you can feel comfortable putting him out there for an extended period of time. And there are several guys that could fall into that category, either guys that we have seen a a tiny bit from, have seen none from, or or, or some guys that are already on the roster and have been on the roster for a while. And so what I mean by that is with the bye week, A&M coming up next Saturday, does South Carolina get Rosendo Lewis back? Could help some at linebacker. You know, when, when Ernest Jones isn't in the game, it's, it's an issue for South Carolina right now. So um, can Lewis get back A, B, can he help? Then there's some guys that you mentioned like Eric Shaw or a Jaheim Bell maybe. Um, now, Kevion Mullins and his health, that could tie into all that. If Kevion is back and healthy, which we don't know yet, if he will be for A&M, then he had, you know, he showed some flashes against LSU to where maybe he's a guy that ends up um, – you know, taking even more reps than he had before. Maybe that shuts out, you know, some of the freshmen a little bit more. Obviously, like you said, West receiver. Um, Alex Huntley, a defensive tackle. You know, he was a guy that was probably in line to play before he rolled his ankle, and he's and so he's, he's missed the first half of the season. Obviously, that means you miss a lot of practice time during the year. But if you can get back 
get acclimated quickly, does he get into that rotation a little bit in the back half? Possibly, you know. Um, so, so those are questions too. Mine, you know, I don't know. I, I sort of struggle with predicting anything. This has been a hard team to predict. The the only thing that you've been able to, not you, the only team I think anybody has been able to to say with consistency is this team's probably going to run the football well. Other than that, we, you know, we don't really know. Well, we didn't even know that preseason. <laughs> we didn't know that preseason. We know it now because they've at least done that for the most part pretty consistently. Now, will they continue that? I, I don't know that. But they've got some games. I see this schedule as them having several more of those games in the back half that are a little bit more of a toss-up. How many will they be favored in? I don't know. I mean, it depends, you know, week to week, what they do, what other teams do. Right now, sit, sitting right here, we wouldn't favor South Carolina against Georgia. Nobody would. They'll be a probably a multi-touchdown underdog, I would guess. What other ones will they be favored in? I don't know. Would you favor South Carolina against A&M? No. Would you favor them against Missouri, Kentucky? No. Ole Miss, maybe. You know, and even that's on the road. So, I'm going to say, and this really isn't that, um, I don't know, out on a limb, but it is a question is how many games this team can win because they've got – at least three probably toss-up type games on this schedule. And and I'm even putting some they may not be favored into that toss-up category. I see A&M as a little bit of a toss-up, honestly. You don't favor yeah. them in the game, but it's not like, oh, ten, you know, three touchdown margin. I'm going to say South Carolina can get at least two down the stretch. Is that is that even a good prediction? I mean, I don't know. Um, no. Okay. If I said three, would that be a good prediction? Um well, it depends on if you're right or not. Well, is is three, it a, three dubs? You said, yeah. I mean, I mean, is it a prediction? Like, are you? Is it like that's stupid, Chris? That's not going out on a limb at all. Like, they can beat one of Ole Miss. You know, they can they can go beat yeah. Ole Miss and somebody else. Pick one out of Kentucky, Missouri, A and No, because I, I don't really think that's far. I mean. If 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 you believe that's what's going to happen, then it's it's a good prediction. Because I'm, I'm look, man, they could lose. I look at the back half of the schedule. Would it be some shock, given what we've seen so far this year? Would it be some shock if South Carolina lost all of those games? Sorry, you're what? you're no, it wouldn't. You're you're Chris is like spastic in the morning with his coffee. He's like over here beating on his mic, like clicking a, a pen as he talks. Yeah, um, yeah, I get but, a little spastic. No, I, well, I mean, I, mean, I, I think it's a it, it is a legitimate question, you know, and so, and it's one we've gotten a lot. How how many can they win in the back half of the season? And I don't think saying two is like well, way to go, but you know, like could also predict. Like, if somebody sat there and predicted, I don't think they're going to win a game, like, you would maybe have at least some eye test evidence to say, yeah, it's sort of a toss-up. But I think they can get a couple. And I'm not saying they, you know, maybe they go out and win three. Maybe they win four, even. They'll have to play a lot better to do that, I think, particularly on defense. But I think they can win a couple games in the back half. If they win at least two, that's four and six. Nobody's going to be happy. Um, but it's – uh it's not two and ten, you know. If they go five and five, we we always said going into this year, before we saw this team play a snap, 
if they went five and five, I know people aren't going to say or agree with this necessarily, but that's a good year for this team. You know, it shows some progress. So they're going to need to make some hay in terms of showing that progress in the back half. All right, dude. So, and by the way, the one thing I would maybe disagree with, I, I feel like they will probably, well, and we don't know what's going to happen between now and these games. I think they would be favored over Missouri. Think so? Yeah. Um, and I, I tend, a, a lot of these analytics that you can find tend to sort of match up, I feel like, with Vegas. Um, and, and I don't follow that stuff, like, down to microscopic detail. So somebody else out there that does maybe like, you know, that that's wrong. But for the most part, it seems like if you look at um, like SP plus or like FPI and look at those percentages, it tends to match up with the Vegas odds because obviously Vegas is using some form of analytics and uh, their version of the statistics that matter to sort of pick what, what the odds should be. And ESPN's FPI right now is very strange, man. Um, I would say, so in act, in actuality, ESPN gives South Carolina the best chance of beating Missouri. And out of any game on the schedule, you mean? Yes, out of any game left. Yeah, sixty point five percent chance of beating um, Missouri. So. Let's see. Ole Miss is next, and that is about as true of a toss-up as you can be. South Carolina has the ever-slightest advantage at 50.9% of beating Ole Miss. Then the interesting thing to me, and I don't know how much they, they're waiting home versus away. Uh, it's obviously factored in here to an extent, but because Kentucky is a worse team than Texas A&M, even according to FBI. But they they actually give South Carolina a 45.1% chance of beating Texas A&M, which is probably much higher than anybody that's a South Carolina fan is thinking. So th- that game really is more of a toss-up, like you said, than most people. It, it's sort of on the other side. If, if Missouri is a toss-up with a slight lean towards South Carolina – then A&M is a toss-up with an actually even slighter lean towards A&M. So South Carolina has a 45% chance of winning that game. A&M has a 55% chance of winning that game. Kentucky, which to me looks very beatable, South Carolina has a 42.2% chance of beating them. Again, that game is in Lexington. Obviously, the A&M game next week is in Columbia. And then Georgia – South Carolina has a 14.6% chance of win. Again, this is all according to ESPN FPI. You may think uh, all these numbers are garbage. That's fine. I want to say that South Carolina's chances of beating Georgia in Georgia last year, according to FPI, were even lower than that. But I can't remember specifically what the number was. So point being, at least according to these numbers, South Carolina has four, some, pretty much four toss-ups with two of them sort of, you know, barely leaning towards Carolina and two of them barely leaning towards A&M and Kentucky, which I, I think the funny thing about this season, Chris, is that 
it's been completely unpredictable in how we've gotten here, but entirely predictable in that South Carolina sits at two and three, which is probably where, if you just looked at the schedule preseason, if I told you Carolina would be two and three at the break, you'd be like, that makes sense. So it's very unpredictable in how we've gotten here, but it's very predictable what the final result will be. So would it really surprise anybody if South Carolina beats beats A&M but loses to Kentucky? You know, like, and it sort of just averages out. No, no, no surprise at all. And that's what, you know, and, and when, when we say, is anybody surprised that South Carolina's two and three or we thought that before the season, doesn't mean people have to be happy about it, right? But, like, nobody – Certainly, we did not think oh, yeah, South Carolina would probably be five and zero after you know, like we we nobody would have projected that. And so, I think the one that sticks in everybody's crawl is the Tennessee game because that's the one you really, really had a chance to win, and you could be sitting here at three and two, and everybody would feel better. They'd still be mad about the LSU game if it played out like that. They'd still be mad about Florida, but at the end of the day, there would have been a couple road losses to teams that have talent. And, um, you know, you'd be at three and two and feel better. But, yeah, I, I you know, I'm not that's – I almost view it that way. Not to say South Carolina is going to beat Texas A&M. I just feel like, you know, and I've watched some Kentucky and some A&M this year. I just feel like that Kentucky game is more dangerous game even. You know, notwithstanding it being on the road, Kentucky's scuffled on offense, but you still just feel like they can do some things that might give South Carolina trouble. And their defense is very capable – of, you know, see the Tennessee game, for instance, their defense is capable of wreaking some havoc. They've got some really good players there. And so going over there and scoring, you know, could be an issue. So um, I am I sort of see it. I think the FPI, you know, it's based more on analytics, obviously, than just eye test or, or gut feel. But I, I can sort of see it lining up that way. That's sort of how I think I might view all those games as well. Well, and I think um... – We'll talk a second about A and M. We actually—I didn't know if we had an hour of things to talk about, and here we are. Um, we're almost at an hour. You look at this A and M game, man. Isaiah Spiller, great running back for those guys. Um, South Carolina, and so far their inability to stop the run. Uh, to to me, that that's sort of the the big thing. Everybody next week will be talking about. Mm-hmm. Um, can South Carolina slow down Isaiah Spiller? What what does that look like? Are there any changes they can make? Um, you know, and and, and I, I don't know what those changes might look like because, they're, they're, Chris, there's not really like a guy you can just plug in there where, I, right. where we're sitting here saying, you know, this guy could help them stop the run. Um, there, there's no magic pill here. South Carolina is going to have to just, as sort of obvious as this is going to sound, they just have to play better. And – the way Muschamp has talked, you know, now may, maybe some of this is uh, hope from a coach, but, you know, he talked about 28 plays they reviewed from the LSU game where, you know, it, it's more stay, stay in your gap, do what you're supposed to do, don't bounce out and try to do what your, your neighbor is supposed to do, you know, do your job, um, which those things are very correctable. The, the issues that are going to be tougher to correct – is this problem that South Carolina has had trying to get off blocks. And if you are struggling, like you're getting engaged 
with the offensive lineman and you just can't get off a block, that is something, depending on the talent of the rest of the offensive lineman you're going to face, which apparently A&M you know, is going to be a pretty good rushing football team, that, that can be an issue. Now, Chris, I remember two years ago, we talked about this on the phone, I remember two years ago A&M came in with a great running back. Can't remember that kid's name. Um, came to williams Price Stadium. I think the guy was leading the SEC in rushing. Yep. South Carolina was struggling to stop the run and actually probably had their best game of the year uh, for that season as far as stopping the run and, and played it really well. Kellen Mond um, had had some big plays in that game, but for the most part, Carolina sort of – that was the game where they were down, what, 16 nothing maybe, and, and then came storming back in the second half right. and made it very interesting. And Kellen Mond has been there at least 10 years, so South Carolina will get a chance to face him again. But to me, A&M and their offense has always been about how far can Kellen Mond take them. If, um, you know, if you limit the big plays from him, you have a chance against them. If he's playing like a, a five-star guy, then they can be very difficult to beat. Yeah, no doubt. And, and Kellen Mond has has really hurt them. You know, I, I think back when uh, Mond was a freshman, I guess it was 2004. No, I'm just kidding. It was like, I guess it was the 2017 game at A&M. And, uh, you know, the, another close game in that one. And Kellen Mond just he, – he hurt them in that game by extending plays or making some critical runs on third down. You know, I think back to some of the plays in that game where they had a chance to bottle him up and just missed him or they couldn't get off the field on third down because he made a critical play. And we've seen that from him. So um, he is quite capable of hurting you. Um, They're going to have to find a way to affect. And we talked about that last week. Now it's going to be a different task because he's more mobile. You know, he's experienced. Um, They're going to present some different things. It's a different type of challenge, but they've got to find a way to affect him. But, you're right. I mean, South Carolina, you know, sort of maybe almost inexplicably <laughs> that year, it was Travion Williams. I mean, he was he was really good. Um, he was so he was really up and down that season, but he finished the year with seventeen hundred rushing yards. And he just did it by having some huge games. I mean, he went for two twenty eight against Ole Miss. He went for one ninety eight against LSU. He went for 236 against NC State. So, you know, he averaged six and a half yards a carry that season. But against South Carolina, you know, he rushed 19 times for 78 yards and had a touchdown. I mean, 4.1 a carry. So, it was a solid showing. It wasn't like he played poorly. Um, but he, but he did take rush. that. Yeah, you take that all day with, with what they had. And so, you know, um, that game, you know, South Carolina offensively, certainly could have done more. And so it, it's going to be a similar thing, though. You're going to have Kellen Mond. Can, can you get him off rhythm? Can you get off the field on third down, contain him, and then can you stop the run? It's going to be really a similar recipe to what we've seen. Yep, so we'll see. That'll be a fun, um, really, for the first, you know, I mean, Kevin Harris now sort of becoming a little bit of a household name in the in the SEC. Kevin Harris versus Isaiah Spiller, two of your better backs. Uh, statistically right now in the SEC. So that'll be fun. All right, man, final thing. We're going away from football again, so y'all can tab on to the end or close this out if you have to. But, all right, another Twitter conversation. Somebody put the – talking about the worst – you know, the Halloween candy that you're just 
throwing away or that you're, oh, yeah. you're, you're, you're giving it to your daughter as opposed to, um, keeping it for yourself. You're not picking these out. Yellow starburst, I think are on the negative side of things. Everybody is torn on candy corn on whether that's good or not. But dude, somebody put the little, you know, the little special dark, dark chocolate, mini Hershey's bars. Yeah. They put those in the 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 category of candy nobody wants. Trash pile. No. Yeah, which caught me off guard. And then it's one of those things I was like, wait, am I? Is that a is that a normal thought by most people? And I'm just weird on this, or is it just this person who feels that way? I'm all in on the special darts. So yeah. if anybody wants to give me theirs because it's like a thing people hate, you can send them to to me and I'll eat them all. But First of all, is that is that how most people feel? And two, what's your best Halloween candy and worst? Oh, man, that's a tough one. All right, so the special dark. First of all, so I'll say this. I like dark chocolate a lot. I sort of want to eat it like when I'm like, I want some dark chocolate. So if, I, if I'm trick-or-treating, which I do all the time since I'm 34, uh, but no, I do it with my kids. But like if, if they have a big pile of candy – I will say the dark chocolate is probably going to be one of the last things I eat. Um, I don't know if most people have that. I've never really talked. I've never heard that come up that much about like such a strong opinion on the, on the special dark, but um, I, I'm fine with it. I'm good with it. Uh, I like dark chocolate. I'm just, when I think of Halloween candy, that's not what I think of. So the best that is very difficult. I don't know if sour patch kids count. Is Halloween candy. I, guess, I think all candy counts. Yeah, I mean, Sour Patch Kids are probably my favorite thing in the world. I would eat way too many of them. It's really bad. Any, like, sour sort of grabby thing like that, I'll always eat. Um, that would probably be my favorite, but I like a lot of it. Worst? Mm, I don't know. Maybe, like, those little uh, hot tamales or whatever. I, I mean, I, lo- I love, you know me, I love spicy stuff. I'm just not down with it on the candy. And <clears throat> I have a love-hate relationship with dots. A lot of people give out dots. Yeah, um, yeah. I used to think those are gross, but then a while back I ate some and I sort of liked them. So that's a non-answer. But I, I, so hot tamales, um, sort of worthless if I get those during Halloween. Yeah. Dude, what what are those things... Somebody responded to that tweet I'm talking about, and I don't even know what these candies are. They were like ant wrapped up in little wax papers, and they're just like, I don't even. It's like a, I don't even know how to. It's almost like eating wax as well. I feel like because I, it was just like a blob of sugary goo. You talking about taffy, like saltwater taffy? <sighs> I don't think it. Now it, it may have been some commercialized version. Of ta- the ori- like if you go to the beach and get saltwater taffy, I feel like I, I like that. I think it's good. Oh, oh yeah, it's really good. But yeah. this is just like a I don't even know what flavor it's supposed to be. It's in a dark black like wax paper and sort of rolled up, and you go like this, and it it unrolls. I guess you didn't get those in your. I mean, I I, I feel like I sort of know what you're thinking about, but then I can't. I, I don't know what they're called, but with it. but for me, man, any I'm good on anything chocolate, and I'm kind of out on just about anything not chocolate. Hmm. So, 
I don't even know if I have a favorite. I do. I like Snickers a lot. Yeah. Um, I like Reese cups, but I also have to sort of be in the mood for Reese cups. I so, um, so I don't know if they'd be my absolute favorite. But I used to love Twix. Dude, I am left Twix or right Twix. <laughs> Either I, I don't. I mean, I don't know. Their their commercial, I guess, is all in on the left right thing. But anyway, I'm trying to find that original tweet. It was from Wes Blankenship, who's actually a really good Twitter follow. Yeah, yeah. If um, if you're not following him, anyway, it's it's neither here nor there. It doesn't matter. But all right, y'all. I, I think we've. I think this show has expired. So we're gonna <laughs> hop off here. Appreciate you joining us. If you made it this far, um, shout out to our normal live chat folks. Sorry, we're not live today, but we'll be back on Monday. Um, Gamecock Russ, hit hit him up on Twitter. He was doing his. Uh, we always like to give Russ a, a shout out at, at Rusty B twenty five. He's asking Gamecock Nation their favorite um, Halloween candy. So hit him up if you want to weigh in on this topic. And we didn't even get, dude. If if we had time, I was going to get into how many Gamecocks were on the field in the Thursday night football game last night. We don't really have time. Other than to say Mike Davis is running like an absolute beast. And the Panthers have a nice little one-two punch now once they get uh, Christian McCaffrey back. So, all right, dude, any final thoughts? Are you good? Good. Hayden Hurst, another nice game last night as well. And Yeah, uh, pick that ball up. Yeah, a little upset with it. Helped beat my Panthers. That was disappointing. Didn't make it the whole game because I fell asleep. But, uh. Yeah, good good night for those guys. Joe Charlton, part of the as you said, Wes, up the the key I think to the punt fake there. Um, yes, they ran the fake punt. But yeah, it, it was a good night for those guys. Mike Davis having a really good year. Really, really glad for him too. Yeah, Matt Rule was going all Steve Spurrier man, just going for every fourth down fake punts. Uh, let's go for another couple fourth downs. I, I'm here for it. So it didn't necessarily work out, but it was fun. He's uh, shaking things up. All right, y'all, we will. Um, reconvene right here on YouTube on Monday. Everybody have a great weekend. For Chris, I'm Wes. We'll see you then. See y'all. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.